Go. Uh, good morning, Lisa. Jim Letta here for our second podcast. Uh, really exciting. And uh, we're on our Seize the Day adventure. Yes, Jim. It's so good to hear from you again. It's uh, November 21st, 2015. Happy to be with you again. And uh, the, the month has gone by fast, hasn't it, Jim? Oh, yes. The older you get, the faster time moves. Right? <laughs> I'm with you, brother. <laughs> but, you know, the technology brings us together. And so for all our mm. listeners from last month, we're carrying on the theme this month of Season the Day. Yeah, absolutely we are. And, um, you know, I kind of had had some time recently that, that a couple things have, have kind of bounced around in my brain, and that's, you know, opportunity. Mm-hmm. And freedom and well, you know I'll start off with the opportunity idea sure you know um, well I'm gonna mix it with freedom right off the box right off the hop here okay go you for know, it uh, every remembrance day you know my wife and I we go down to the cenotaph it's only a couple block block away here in Cranbrook and and we go take in the remembrance day ceremony as you know my parents were both veterans and my dad served in the Korean War and Colleen's dad was a veteran. He served in the Second World War. You know, so we go down and, uh, you know, um, my parents are both with us. Uh, so then we go down and we meet with them afterwards and then we have a family lunch and spend the afternoon together. And, you know, it, it's, it's a really nice time. In that time, you know, we, we kind of, uh, you know, went to meet with dad after the ceremony, mom and dad, and, uh, you know, we were kind of looking for mom, she was off looking for us, and, and in just a brief period of time until we all joined, you know, a couple people, you know, fairly young, you know, under 41, the, you know, the gentleman would have only been in his early to mid-20s, and, you know, they both came up and, and shook my dad's hand and, and thanked him for his service. I thought that was, you know, really, really you know, special and, and, uh, it, it, you know, that whole ceremony and everything is around freedom, mm. freedoms that we have in Canada. And, you know, if you're, you know, seeking to change where you live or, you know, you want to pursue something different in work, whether it's a change in job or the same type of job, you know, we all seek to make a little bit more money from time to time. Right. You know, and take those opportunities that may come up, you have the freedom to do that. So, you know, I, I just think those two ideas, you know, all kind of encapsulated in, in the um, Remembrance Day ceremony and, and, you know, the fact that we, we are so free to choose in, in Canada and we are so free to seek opportunities in Canada. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel that. Um... I do believe that freedom and opportunity are sort of tied together because uh, opportunity gives the feeling of freedom, um, to, the freedom to choose, the freedom not to choose. And, you know, that example that you showed there uh, of people actually taking the time to reach out and, and actually appreciate the sacrifices other people have made prior to, the, to their existence and just to allow them the opportunity to do the things that they do now. Lots of things that we take for granted, actually. Um, to be in Canada, uh, that, that in itself is already a, a rarity. I mean, of all the places that we could land on the planet Earth, we didn't do too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, so with the opportunity side of things, you know, I've, I've had some experiences, you know, where um, a, a potential, um, you know, promotion or whatever, you know, it needed to be applied for, but a circumstance came up in the workplace I was at a few years back and, and, you know, manager's position came open. So, you know, I threw my hat in the ring, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Right. And, you know, and when you do that, you, you know, it was really good. We had three strong internal candidates and, and, uh, you know, it didn't come my way and, you know, it didn't break my heart or, or hurt me. I thought, you know, I have an opportunity to learn and an opportunity just to, you know, I enjoyed being put in an interview situation. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, I think it's it, it makes you think on your feet, and and uh, you know, you you're you, you're able to share with other people some of the things that that you've done, accomplished, and your perspective on things. So, you know, I took that opportunity, and I, and I in the uh, interview, you know. They asked me, well, what, what have you done to, or have you set the goal of becoming management? You know, I was in an hourly paid job, you know, um, unionized workforce, all that sort of stuff. And, <laughs> and I, my answer to them was, you know, I don't set those type of goals. You know, what I look at doing is, and I'll relate this to athletics, and this is what I told them at the time. Yeah. Back when I was playing rugby, you know, the goal was to play as well as I could every week. Um, you know, work really hard at practice, have a, you know, a high level of fitness, and you know, be ready for when an opportunity came up. And you know, rugby's game where people get hurt, and that happened, and I got, the, you know, I was called up. You know, I didn't stay up because, you know, when the Guy's injury went away. He was back in, but uh, you know, it's 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 like preparation can make opportunity successful. Right, and I think the preparation was right there. It gave you that opportunity. I mean, yeah. you know, you weren't waiting in the wings. You were just doing what you do, and when your name was called, the timing was right. Yeah, and, and there's you know, there's lots of. Uh, Lots of people who have done that. I, I think if you and there's nothing wrong with setting a goal of you know reaching a certain career level as long as it's done respectfully. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I, I I don't see any problem with that whatsoever. But some things need to be pulled and not pushed. Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So you know if you try to push it too hard, you you know you might you might cause the opposite to happen. Right. No, I, I feel you on that. And that, that's actually interesting the way you, you phrase it too. About, um, uh, you, you know, in terms of sports, I think a lot of people can relate to that because in sports, there's really nobody that you're competing against except yourself. And when you talk about sports, recently I watched that um, UFC fight where Ronda Rousey was fighting against this um, the Holmes girl. And uh, in this case, Ronda Rousey actually lost her world championship in the fight, right? I wouldn't know. I don't watch that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is where this is where it's interesting. In our blog cast, we'll, we'll uh, hit many chords, and some will strike, some won't. <laughs> yeah, it's okay, it's a great example. Yeah, and I'll tell you a little bit about it. Even without you knowing about the the fighters in the ring here, uh, you've got the this woman that's basically the world champion that's gone undefeated for the last twelve fights. You know, 
most of her fights haven't lasted past the first round. She's pretty much finished most of her fights in 50 seconds or less, right? Uh, the payouts are enormous. They range from a few hundred thousand to a million or two for those 50 seconds. So talk about maximizing your time, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you have to remember the preparation time too, Winston. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. I'm sure she spent many hours at the gym. <laughs> so I, I think where her downfall was, though, this time, is that um, she didn't underestimate her competition, but the, the girl that she was fighting against this time happened to be a world kickboxing championship person as well as a boxing champion and um, that's no small feat but what really grabbed me is that when during their weigh-in the day before the fight I just saw such a sense of humility from the contender like actually the gratefulness of um, and the vulnerability that she had she stated that there's many days that she was preparing for this fight that she would sit in her car and, and if a training day didn't go well she'd break down in tears from all the all the angst and uh, all the the pressure of trying to prepare for this fight and it, the preparation she was talking about was not the preparation about beating another person but the just uh, mentally preparing for something that huge right and you know we'll bring this a little bit full circle mm -hmm. because <clears throat> she was given an opportunity exactly yeah and obviously she made the best of that opportunity right she did her homework she found out the strengths yeah. and weaknesses of her competitor and then when the day happened, the thing that struck me the most was, uh, you know how in the beginning of a fight they usually shake hands or tap gloves or whatever? Mm -hmm. What I thought was quite interesting is that the, the reigning champion who had everything going for her from being a movie star and everything else decided not to tap the gloves of the competitor. Arrogance. Yeah. And I thought, wow. I mean, it, she may very well win the match, but is winning all there is, right? There has to be a certain level of um, of humility there, right? But, you know, not to judge. You know, I'm not in that spot. Maybe it's part of the preparation and the mental psycho. You know, I'm not a boxer, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, but there's certain... Um, there's certain niceties, that, you know, courtesies. Well, you know. I'd say it more... Respect. ...protocol, and it's disrespectful to the, to the form. Yeah, and even... Yeah. Right, even if the... Like, regardless of if you win or lose, it's just a certain respect for anybody willing to step in the ring with you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll just relate one other recent, uh, semi-recent uh, athletic uh, situation. Sure. And, you know, I don't know, uh, you're, you're probably going to have the same response that I had for you with regard to the UFC, but it was in the World Cup of Rugby. Okay. And, you know, uh, what South Africa rated in, I believe, the, one of the top three teams going into it. They were playing Japan in a pool game. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. And um, it was there was a, there was a you know parallel to that situation like Japan came out and uh, you know actually took the lead and then South Africa came and scored a try and went ahead and they kind of started their little strut you know like we got them now oh okay and just came right back and this is the way the whole game went and. You know, South Africa, I think, had built about a seven or eight point lead, and Japan came back, and oh, it might have been a bit more than that, Winston. Mm -hmm. But and, and Japan came back, and they ended up winning in injury time. Oh wow! Scoring in the corner, you know, and this is a you know David Goliath kind of a thing, and it just seemed as I watched that match, every time South Africa scored, they had a an arrogance to them. 
Right. Like we got him, we're we're done. Our work's over. And and Japan just kept coming back, and and it was uh, you know it was one of those Cinderella stories in sports, and there were Japanese people crying in the stands, you know, from jubilation, and and it was actually one of the best rugby games you'll ever watch. Wow. But you know it, it was you know Japan worked hard enough that they were in. You know, past full time, but the ball was still live, and they did you know as multiple multiple phases. I think it was twelve phases, which for those who don't know rugby won't mean much. But um, you know, they had an opportunity, and they took the best of that opportunity. Yeah, look at that. I mean, they didn't give up. They saw what was happening in front of them. They didn't get too comfortable with their lead or their, the way that they're falling behind, and they they seized the opportunity to make the most of the time they had. You know. Yes, and, and they went on to be very successful in the tournament. Unfortunately, they didn't make the playoff round, but they were three wins and one loss, and mm. uh, within an eyelash of, of making it into the uh, into the playoff situation, which they've never done before. Wow, that's an amazing triumph. I mean, on the to close that part about the, the parallel with the UFC fight, um, you know, the first round didn't go very well for the the champion, and then the second round, basically, the challenger. Uh, saw the vulnerability, took it apart, one kick to the head, and the game was over, pretty much, you know? And so, you kind of wonder sometimes if things are predictable. I mean, in the sense that, having seen enough of life and just of challenges and people, sometimes you wonder, you see these patterns of how the arrogance costs you every time, or your lack of humility can cost you, that um, if you just had that insight ahead of time to step back and, and readjust and refocus, how things could change because I think a lot of winning of those kind of matches in sports is a lot about attitude, you know. It certainly is, uh, and um, it's confidence without arrogance. Right, right. Yeah, you, you, you know, you can't go into those situations and not have some level of confidence in you that you you can or right. believe in yourself because if if you don't have that belief, you're you're not going to succeed. Exactly. I mean, in fact, you know what's attractive a lot of times is the vulnerability that people show so that you can actually get behind them and feel for them rather than be their cheerleader, you're actually their supporter. And what I mean is that when somebody does really well, it's easy to be their supporter, right? Yes. And it and it's easy to be their cheerleader when they're doing really well and it's it's politically correct to follow them because you everybody wants to follow a winner, right? But how many people got you back when, when things aren't going so well? Or when the chips are down. That's when you have to look at the character of the person to determine whether or not you want to be a cheerleader or a supporter. Well, Winston, I've been a Canuck supporter for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're not a cheerleader. <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, there's, you know, I think I think we need both of those components. Right. And I think it needs to step past the, you know, past the realm of athletics. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So whether that's whether that's somebody you know who's who's you know going through school and seeking to get some form of education, or or someone starting a new job, or pursuing a new job, you know, or pursuing their passions outside their work, mm -hmm. you know, all those things. That's uh, you know, cheerleaders and supporters you know, can, can make a big difference for that person. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, it, what's interesting is when we're talking about opportunity and, and freedom being intertwined, um, 
it's pretty deep because I think about the times when I felt the most freedom and they all were born from opportunity. For example, there was a time when I, I felt like I needed to get away to write on my own and um, I was explaining this to my wife at the time and then a daughter was still fairly young and I said, you know, I just need a weekend to get away somewhere. It doesn't matter where it is, but I just want to go in the, in the process of the traveling, I knew I'd get some awareness and sort of cocoon and seclude myself for like a weekend to gather my thoughts. So what I brought with me was a simple backpack, a couple of books, and the car. That's all it was. I just wanted to go ahead and, and have my own man retreat for myself. And I, I went to a, the Crown Isle Golf Resort. And I didn't even, I don't, I'm not even a big golfer. I went there because I knew it would be quiet, you know? Yes. So the process of getting there was more enlightening than actually being there. It's funny, sometimes you try so hard to get to a place, but find that there's loneliness when you get to the place, but the journey was all worth it. <laughs> it almost sounds, you know, I'm going to take a little stab at this, sure. but it almost sounds like you were maybe seeking a little bit of a meditative state. Yeah, I don't know if it was the eat, pray, love thing there, Jim. <laughs> no, no, but meditation comes in many forms. Yeah, sure. Um, and I'll just relate a couple forms that work for me. Sure. Or, or actually put my brain in a space that, that allows um, a lot of thoughts not to creep in. Sure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one is, one is um, some form of fitness or athletics, right? You know, and athletics is often a team thing. So I, I would take the fitness avenue or not. Mm -hmm. You know, I would have a good bike ride or, you know, toss around a few weights or, you know, whatever it is, you have to pretty much be dialed into it to, to um, you know, to, to do it. Mm -hmm. So through that, you, other things don't creep into your mind. Right. So, you know, you're able to get a media, you know, a better, and I, I usually, I don't cycle with music because I think it's, there's a safety aspect there. You want to hear your surroundings, right? Mm -hmm. Vehicles or dogs or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you know, when I'm in the basement or whatever, then I, you know, I pop on some music and that just sort of seems to heighten it. And, and that, you know, it works really well. It, 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 it's a mental rest for me. It's a mental recharge. Mm -hmm. and, and the other thing that does that is, uh, you know, for the listeners out there, I'm about Canada's 15th worst guitar player. <laughs> I was about the fourth worst guitar player, so things are getting better. Oh, good, good. But that that time spent, you know, playing a bit of music does the same thing. It it allows for you know a mental rest and more focus and and that sort of thing. So it's to me those are forms of meditation. Right. Yeah. No, that's interesting. It, you know that that has some profoundness to that, where. Um, there is a certain, you can have a, uh, a mental break by just, you know, being in your zone. It is a, sort of a meditation in the, in the process of even, uh, going on a journey and it's the journey itself, not so much the destination, right? Yes. Uh, that, that is so true. The, uh, the journey is, is where the hard work happens, you know, the mm -hmm. destination is the culmination of that hard work. Yeah. Uh, you know we what? Have a, mm -hmm. we, we had something on our office wall. We, we need to get it back up, but it it's basically states that mm. exact fact. And, and, uh, you know what's interesting when you mention that? I start thinking about destinations and how important it is after you reach a certain destination 
to shortly, if not immediately, start to look at different destinations. Let's say, for example, you set a goal um, to pay off your mortgage or something, right? And uh, you set that goal many years ago, and it, at the time it seemed like a daunting task, and it didn't seem like it was achievable, but as you clawed away and saved your, your shekels and finally got to the point where you paid it off, it's important after you reach that goal to take a moment to appreciate it and appreciate the opportunity, appreciate the freedom, but then also to take a moment to reset a new destination. Otherwise, it stagnates and you could find yourself uh, with a, a cruise ship without a destination. Uh, wandering away at sea couldn't be a bad thing as long as it <laughs> <laughs> True enough, true enough. It's just well, nice to well, know that you have a reset and, and have a new goal to set thereafter, you know? Well, we're, we're still working on that mortgage goal, Winston. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads me, this leads us to this next topic. I have two things I want to talk about today, Jim. Uh, one of them is about uh, less is more, and the next one, uh, acknowledgement. And um, when I say less is more, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Less is more. Okay, I read a book a few years back called Paddle to the Amazon. Oh, cool. And it's a story about a uh, father and two sons from Winnipeg who paddle up the Red River. Mm -hmm. to then get to where the drainage changes to the Mississippi River system. Okay. They go through a few tributaries and all that, get into the Mississippi. They go through the Gulf of Mexico, they end up going up the Orinoco River, and then back down the Amazon to the Atlantic Ocean. Right. So the book is the story of this adventure. One of the sons bails out, I think, after um, partway down the Gulf of Mexico, Anyway, the father and the one son are in deep down in central Mexico, and they come across their beach. They're you know they're on the beach for the night, and they some people come out of the bush, some subsistence livers. Basically, you know they live off the land, no land ownership or home or anything like that. You know they they eat what the earth provides for them. Mm -hmm. They were invited for dinner, and they had a really nice dinner. I, I can't really remember what the fare was, but uh, you know, at, at the end of that, they go back to their canoes, and um, the son says to the father, he says, um, "How can we ever repay their kindness? They gave us everything they had." And it, the father says, "Well, we can't repay their kindness, but we can pass it on to somebody else." Ooh, I like that. So, in I think in in um, their view of how these people live, they saw them as being just as happy and, and just as fulfilled as living the type of life they were living as what somebody, you know, in, a, in New York City who's, you know, living in expensive real estate and, and you know, that type of life. Right, so, right. You know, so less is more, really, you know, you don't, you don't need a mansion on a hill. Yeah, that's great. I like that. Especially when we're living in uh, expensive real estate land out in the West Coast. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I got to say, when I think of less is more, I think about two things. I think about um, material things, for sure. But I also think of um, even choosing the words that we, we use. Um, let's say you, you come across somebody who's really down or has had a tough situation. Sometimes the solution 
to comfort that person isn't to say much, but rather to just be with them. In that situation, to restrain yourself from speaking and actually just to be there, less is more. That's very profound, and I agree with you. I, yeah, thanks, Jim. I mean, I, I think about that because I think about even our friendship. And I, I was listening back even to our first podcast, which, you know, um, and as I played it back, I had to smile, not because we had millions of, of listeners, honestly. Well, not yet, anyways. <laughs> but, dare to dream. Yeah, dare to dream. Got a dream to dare. So, but what, what hit me was that the level of friendship that we shared in just sharing that, like together, that experience of just starting our first podcast and being so motivated to take time from our families and, and our loved ones to, to try to share something deeper than that, right? I mean, it was, it was profound because I was looking at how we interacted even in our podcast and how many times we could have interjected, but we, we chose that less was more. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Winston. And, and um, you know, I'll relate it to, to music and, you know, speaking with my, my guitar teacher and, and he was saying that music needs space and, you know, whether it be the melody or, or whatever, but it needs Sometimes silence is the space it needs for, you know, the bar to sound right or the melody to be right or whatever, instead of it being totally filled up with sound. Mm. So, you know, less is more. You know, you, you, could, you could go to any number of pieces of music and listen and that pause is there and everybody knows it's there and, and appreciate it. Yeah, and I'm, you know, somehow when you mention that, I think about technology too. If you think about the really successful technology companies, they don't necessarily have to be the ones that produce the gadgets that have uh, millions of options or buttons. If you look at the simplicity, say, of Apple products, they tried to simplify the process of computing to the point where it became a creative tool rather than a sophisticated um, uh, geek or nerd tool, so to speak, right? They, they kind of made... The, the the computer something that you could turn on like almost like an appliance and enjoy rather than have to fiddle with yes um, I, I will say you know personally I, I'm not anywhere near your level of, of, of computer savvy um, you know for the people that write operating systems and, and everything I just encourage them to uh, listen to what we're saying and, and less is more. Don't change things that aren't broken. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't need to add a. Uh, you can have a back end advanced button so that other people can turn on those great features because you might need them, right? But the simplicity of an interface is, is always overlooked. Like if you think about your favorite devices of all time, they're probably going to be the ones that you turn on and they work. That reliability, that that um, commitment to simplicity and excellence is all you need to do. If you think about even how, um, for example, uh, import cars have, have succeeded in the marketplace, it's mostly because of their reliability and their approach, right? Um, you know, and I, I think that everybody has the capacity to do that, but I think in the zealousness and uh, the, the zeal to try to make something better, we sometimes complicate things too much. 
Yes. Um, I'll relate that to an acronym. KISS. <laughs> and you can say they keep it simple. You can fill in the S yourself. No, I'm going to put a twist to it as to the way it's usually presented. Okay, sure. Keep it simple, Sherlock. There's no mystery here. <laughs> I like that. I like that. that. That threw me a surprise. I wasn't expecting the last bit. That's good, Jim. It's too yeah. funny. Now, we move on to this other thing that's kind of tied in. It's about acknowledgement. And... Um, I want to acknowledge us both for, for giving up part of our Saturday to do this. Um, and I acknowledge any listeners out there that might be getting a few smiles or chuckles from what we're talking about. But um, I, well, the reason why I brought up acknowledgement as a topic today is one of the words of the day. Is that I think um, a recent event that happened to me, I was at a, a business mastery meeting. And um, there was a fellow that had done amazing things. He had uh, referred 68 clients to this business that I, I know of. And um, I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge him, even though it didn't directly impact me in the sense that it wasn't referrals to my business or me, right? But just to see the eagerness and the hunger to, to be that committed, to be that excited. I mean, something about that was so attractive. It, maybe it was a reflection of uh, who I am or who I was or who I wanted to be, you know? <laughs> but I just wanted to acknowledge him, and I did, did this in front of his wife and his daughter, and um, thereafter, um, they both came up to me to thank me for taking the time to do that because I think a lot of times we, we spend our times catching people do things wrong rather than right. Or the emphasis on mistake is greater than the emphasis on, on um, success or success or, mm -hmm. or completeness or you know pick whatever positive you want from there, right? Yeah, let's, let's take an example. Let's say you're... Let's say, Jim, you're at a rugby tournament and you just scored your, your, your best and you were actually the, the VIP for the game, one of the first stars, and you would um, you know, led your team on to victory. And uh, what do you think of the friend that walks up to you and says, Jim, you did a great job, but you could have got one more goal. <laughs> <laughs> that's a back goal tries, Winston. Yeah, exactly. That, that's a backhanded slap right to the face, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. But if I came up to you and said, Jim... You're incredible. That was like the best game I've ever seen. And I'm focusing on everything that you've done, right? And I'm saying, my God, I feel that my life is somewhat complete now that I've seen you play. <laughs> <laughs> now, you got to separate the flattery from the fact that maybe I want a cup of coffee from that. <laughs> but the fact is, without anything else um, weighted on the other side, I think you'd probably appreciate the secondary comment more than the first. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um you know, there's, with athletics comes, you know, the critiquing even if, when it's a good day. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it relates back to a little bit about what we talked about last podcast. You know, there's, uh, you know, I appreciate what you're saying, but you weren't there at the time and you didn't make that decision. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So what I'm saying is that I hope, uh, even from our, our experience in life, and that's all we, we're here to share, then there's going to be listeners that are older than us, <clears throat> younger than us, wiser than us, and maybe less experienced and more experienced. But I, I think our goal here is to, to share what we know and then have a lively discussion about it. Acknowledgement can't be overlooked because I think people work more for appreciation than they do money. 
Yes. I think if you're if you're given unless it's a significant amount of difference, but you know Yeah, exactly. I'm not people <clears throat> would stay in a job and make less money given they're provided the appropriate acknowledgement of their efforts. Yeah, and I, I don't mean that as a blanket statement that money isn't yeah. important. That's not my, my point about um, that. I think the monetary exchange, surviving, and there's nothing wrong with doing extremely well. But I, don't, but I think that people will feel more fulfilled, how about that, with a place that they're getting acknowledged. And they probably would take a significant pay cut to work in a place where they're appreciated versus a place where they may be making a little more but um, don't feel like an important cog in the wheel. Yes, couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you know, I'll just put my two cents worth in on acknowledgement there. Um, sure, sure, go for it, Jim. Um, you know, here in the Kootenays, we have to get ready for winter. As, you know, as we've already discussed, and I, I, you know, last Wednesday was Remembrance Day, so uh, you know, I'd work. I'd asked my uh, my manager, boss, whatever you want to refer to him as. He says, you know, I sure I, I haven't really taken the vacation. I've I've been able to or negotiated for this year, and I, you know, I'd like to take Thursday and Friday off so I can do some things at home. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, he he said, "Yeah, of course you've earned it." And that, you know, just the the statement that you've earned it is very respectful on his part. And, and you know, that's exactly what we do in life: is we earn things. And um, but I, I made the point of once, you know, going back to work. On Monday, or you know, I you know told him how the weekend went and, and said thank you for the time off. You know, I acknowledged his his granting of that request. Yeah, yeah, you're showing appreciation back for what um, he had a choice to say no, but um, he obviously felt that your contribution was on a regular, consistent basis was so great that it wasn't much for him to um, to grant that because. Uh, Maybe he also in, indirectly knew that you would appreciate that too. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a synergy. You know, when we think about relationships and why they succeed and why they break down, there's a lot of key components. If I, if I was going to break it down, I mean, respect has got to be a, like a key one. I mean, respect is a lot of things. It's like, we're not getting too heavy on that, but I mean, it could be as simple as just not stepping on someone's toes. <laughs> but um, I'm talking about the fact that you respect them enough that when their cup is full, you don't try to overfill it. Yeah, and, and sometimes we don't know that. And, and you know, there's is it ways to say, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> can't do that right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Too busy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I was talking about that with my wife um, earlier today about um, conversations and filling cups. And uh, it's funny, when we're talking about cups, I'm, re I'm talking about symbolic meaning of as if. Um, if you had two uh, cups in front of you, like one could hold one liter and one could hold two liters. Or if I was talking to our American crowd, maybe a gallon or two gallons. <laughs> but let's say, for example, uh, symbolically, um, uh, we have uh, the, the cup or the container that we have in front of us represents how much information we can take in at one time. So let's say, Jim, for example, I give you a two-gallon jug and that represents uh, how much information you can accept before you feel so full that you can't take any more information. Okay? Okay. And then I have a one gallon jug and I can only fill up as much information as I can in that one gallon jug. Now we're having a conversation 
And with every word that I speak, I'm filling up your jug, right? Until right. it gets to the point where I've talked on for two hours. <laughs> and you're just about to break that, uh, that berm right there, right there, right at the top, you know? And I put a little bit more liquid in it and it starts to overflow. Now you got a mess right in front of you. You don't know what to do. It's too much information, right? Yes. Now, me, for me to continue talking at that point wouldn't benefit you in any way. Absolutely not. <laughs> the ironic thing is, this is the neat analogy that I want to play out. That one's an obvious choice, but how about this? Now, let's say I stop right before I fill up your two liter or two gallon jug, right? And you go ahead and you start talking to me, expecting the same courtesy and respect. And my jug really is only a liter or a gallon, right? And you've, I've talked on for two hours. It didn't fill over fill your jug. But you've only talked on for an hour, and now my jug's filled. <laughs> uh, the analogy I want to draw is that each person you meet has a different capacity for, for listening and speaking. Where I'm yes, and yeah. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, go for it. I'll, I'll give that a little twist. Sure. And you know, I, I've seen this a whole lot in workplaces. Mm -hmm. uh, the employer wants to compare a certain employee against a bunch of against other employees. Right. And um, I think that's a very very dangerous thing to do because right. they're they're only looking. You know, I kind of call this golden boy syndrome. <laughs> they, they only look at, at the fact that this guy can do some things really, really well. Right. They don't ever look at what he can't do really, really well. And, and maybe because what he does really, really well is 80% of what those, those people do, those employees do. Right. So, you know, he, yeah, the rest of them are kind of, you know, said, well, you need to be like, you know, Bob over there. And that, that A can cre create some resentment within the workplace. It's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. But B is, you know, we'll go back to appreciation and acknowledgement is the people that, that are really good at the things Bob isn't good at aren't being acknowledged. Right, 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 right. For their skills. So, you know, I think in along with our capacity to absorbed information, it also relates to that we all have strengths and weaknesses as people. And, and we have to realize that those strengths and weaknesses exist. And, you know, there's not a one of us that doesn't want to, you know, probably get better at our weaknesses and accentuate our strengths. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's a really... It's a really common thing where there's very, very, very few people out there that are good at all aspects of their job or life or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm with you on that. And what's interesting is that when I think about um, synergistic relationships, and I think about communication, I think about taking deeper pauses rather than more more words. Uh, what, what I mean is that I think our tendency in life is to try to express ourselves in a way which makes us feel good, right? I mean, that's just a simplistic way of saying it, but I'm, I'm saying that most people speak insofar as they feel that they're being heard, right? Yes. 
So with that in mind, when I think about um, the best relationships you have, it's usually ones that have a nice give and take, a nice balance where you leave the conversation feeling like, you know, that person gets me. Yeah, and I, I stepped away from conversations thinking that person didn't hear what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's a very delicate balance. It, it could be as simple as that, you know, I, I think about it as a stoplight. If you got a red, green, and yellow. So let's just take an example. If you had a, a green, if, you, if you're looking at a stoplight and it's green, go right ahead, keep going, the traffic's clear, just roll. And then when you start to get in that danger zone, when you see the eyes are rolling and the fidgeting and the looking at somewhere else and looking at the watch that your potential listener has, maybe it's time to slow that down and check in with them to see if they're actually hearing what you're saying, right? Yeah, they're, they're giving you a clue they're done. <laughs> yeah. Any more than that, and they can't take it in anyways. You're hitting the red zone to the point where they're thinking in their mind like, oh, get me out of here, you know? Yes. And you don't want to go there because all, all that serves the purpose to have is uh, uh, it makes it, it devalues your impact on their life. Um, you may enjoy the, the sound of your voice, <laughs> but you know, you can accomplish pretty much the same thing by recording your own voice and playing it back. You bet. That's, that's certainly uh, <laughs> an option. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I, but you know, somehow when I talk to the mirror, it doesn't seem to talk back too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you get one that does. <laughs> yeah, I know. Then we got a marketplace right there, right? <laughs> it's too funny. You know, I was thinking about something you said earlier. Um, with acknowledgement one may also need to consider accountability. Now, for our listeners, what did you mean by that? Oh, just that, um, that there's accountability when you acknowledge things or if I acknowledge that I made a mistake, mm -hmm. I need to correct the mistake so I'm, I'm, I'm pairing accountability with the acknowledgement. Okay, I got gotcha. you. But I also think there's, you know, that's maybe the the negative side of that coin. On the positive side of that coin, mm -hmm. um, I acknowledge to myself that somebody has done a really good job. Let's say, you know, be it in a coaching respect or coworker or your boss or whatever. My accountability is then to let them know that. Right. So, you know, you're, 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 you've recognized or you've acknowledged internally that something good has happened and, and your accountability of that internal recognition is to voice it to the person who needs to hear it. Mm, okay, I like that. I like that. You know, that, that makes sense to me why um, accountability is an important factor of that then. Because, you know, even when I think about that, even from a different angle, um, even when you acknowledge somebody, it has to come from a sincere place. Because once you come from a place of, uh, everybody likes compliments, right? Let's take that. Uh, let's compare compliments versus flattery. We know that flattery has an angle of deceit or maybe uh, less sincerity, right? Because we're flattering somebody maybe to get what we want. Yeah, it's, it has a self-serving aspect to it. Right, right. Whereas when you're actually complimenting somebody, 
like, let me just give an example. Let's say I said to you, Jim, you got the most marvelous suit on right now. In fact, if I were going to choose a suit, that's exactly the type of suit I'd want for myself. <laughs> Versus, hey, Jim, you have such a nice suit. Obviously, you're not doing too badly. How about throw me a fiver? <laughs> I'm pretty... If I buttered you up any more than that, you'd be on the on the the Thanksgiving dinner table. <laughs> True enough. Yeah. So you know, I, I think it's funny that we come across these things, and you know, as we talked about, we were gonna. Our goal was to to give um, a little talk about opportunity and freedom today. A little bit about how less is more. How about how acknowledgement played into the whole realm of things. I think we did a pretty good job of seizing the day, Jim. Oh, huge, huge Wednesday. Yeah, and our second podcast, we're not doing badly. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, and if there are our listeners out there that, that kind of like our spiel, that want to offer us a radio job or, or something on that magnitude, or just want us to come to their place and do some public speaking or a corporate event where they need someone bantering back and forth, I'm sure we could sort of fit that bill, eh, Jim? We can tailor for any organization, Winston. Yeah. You know, Jim's got the rugby experience, so any rugby association out there, feel free. <laughs> you know, so um, anyways, I think that we did a great job today. And, you know, we got to pat ourselves on the back for and acknowledge ourselves for being here today. Yes, we certainly do. And, um, you know, Winston, we've been doing this for quite a while and we turned them into podcasts. So, you, you know, we're we're sharing how our relationship has developed over our podcast. So, you know, welcome to that window. Yeah, and I welcome anyone who's listening. Because, you know, what we started out this process doing was just imagine having a, a fly on the wall for our conversations that we were having anyways. Um, it was like as if the listener could have a cup of coffee with two friends on the other side of the world and uh, we're sharing ideas. We can't hear back what they're saying. They could send feedback. But our goal wasn't to preach. Our goal was to share ideas some which you may agree with, some which you may not. But if, if all it does is stimulate a conversation between you and your friends or loved ones, um, and it makes you think a little deeper or maybe appreciate them more, um, even appreciate your own life a little bit more, uh, then I think we've accomplished our goal. Well, you bet, big time. And, um, you know, I, I think maybe for a lot of, a lot of people, it is, these ideas bounce around their head too. So. Yeah, we're just giving we're giving ours an outlet right now, yeah. and hopefully by our our sharing that it'll uh, turn into an outlet for them as well. So today is uh, November, I think it's November twenty first, two thousand fifteen, right? Correct. Yeah, and we're just on the eve of our next episode, uh, in a month away, just before Christmas, I guess it would be a. Eh? Yes, certainly will be. You know, you notice how I had to throw the a in there so they knew I were Canadian, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, we're uh, coming from you from British Columbia, Canada, and um, that's our geographical location, but we're just a, a click away, because we're now an authorized Apple iTunes podcast, too. And I think we're on uh, Podbean, podbean.com. Yeah, and I think we're on, uh, we've got approved for our iTunes Apple podcast, so that's a big win for us, and so we're coming to you live. <laughs> so, Jim, should we wrap it up for this episode? 
Yes, we should. And thank you for joining us, Seizing the Day Adventure with Jim and Winston. Thanks, Jim. All right, we'll catch you next time, guys. Have a great day. Okay, take care. Bye-bye.